hello welcome back to to g talk baby it has been a minute i literally as soon as i sit down to record this podcast and actually start talking i get like the biggest smile on my face because i'm so excited to talk about everything that's going on but it's been very difficult to get myself in the mindset to record the podcast if that makes sense I have been super open about the fact that I have been in a bit of a creative rut since coming home from Europe. I believe the last episode of this podcast was four or five weeks ago, four or five weeks. And frankly, I just have not been doing well on any of my creative outlets at the moment. I went from posting like a reel and a static post every single day to like, I think I only posted like three reels last month, which like this is my income. (laughs) This is quite literally my job now. But the problem is uh, since coming home from Europe, things have slowed down so, so much. Like I'm used to the go, 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 traveling all the time, always going somewhere, like life always being super exciting. I went from all of that to just sitting in my childhood bedroom. Not to mention, I'm a person who was very determined not to live in my childhood home after leaving high school. I moved out and went to U of A when I was 17, so it feels, you know, feels a little weird to be in Gilbert, Arizona, but I am definitely working through that anxiety as we speak. But part of my purpose and my intention with being in Gilbert, Arizona for this month was that I needed to learn how to chill the fuck out. I needed to recover. I needed to prepare for Havelina 100. And now that the race is over, which we are going to talk about in great detail today, because it is maybe the best story that has happened maybe this entire year for me, which is saying a lot because as we have all witnessed, there have many, there have been so many tales, so many trail tales this year. I do want to play a little bit of catch up, I suppose, since the last time y'all heard from me, I think I was telling you about what happened with the boy in Hawaii and I was like, I'm never dating men again. I'm so done. I just want to focus on my own thing. Anybody who comes into my life, like now is not a good time, whatever. I'm pretty sure like the day after I posted that episode, I immediately started talking to somebody who is now my boyfriend <laughs> and literally the response has been so funny and I get it like I'm known for being just absolutely chaotic with boys like (laughs) I'm that friend that everyone was like this girl's never settling down again like she's having time her life like live laugh loving which is true to an extent like I was definitely live laugh loving but I wasn't having a good time you know like it was very painful to be live laugh loving on this podcast we have covered so many of my just terrible dating stories like literally whatever is immediately going on like throwback to the Jesus boy episode (laughs) and it's hilarious because I know my boyfriend there's a good chance he's gonna listen to this episode and he's gonna be like Mac what the hell but the funniest part of dating this man is I have told him 
so many things. I have told him, I have told him so many things about my just absolutely traumatic dating history. And he's just like, oh, like that sounds, that sounds completely normal, McKenna. Like that doesn't sound weird at all. Like you're just like a normal. And I'm like, I'm literally telling you these things thinking you're going to like run for the hills. And he's just like, "Mm, no, like it's all like, wow, you're literally, I told him about one of my friends who like had a crush on me. And he was like, and I was telling him about this, like, it was kind of traumatic, like what happens in the story. And he's like, oh, well, you know, I can understand why he liked you. I'm like, Max, where the fuck did you come from, my guy? And to be clear, we all know on this podcast that I am a huge simp. I, if I care about somebody, I will do literally anything for them. And I just have this curse of picking the worst men. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, this person really sucks. And now I have to set a boundary, which in my defense is something I have 100% learned because of the last two years. I learned how to recognize when someone wasn't treating me with respect. I learned how to recognize when someone was coming to me with bad intentions. I learned there were just so many absolutely critical things I had to learn to be in the position to like accept someone treating me with love and respect and a lot of serious intention. So I guess we we will obviously be jumping uh, a little more into that later, but I felt like I needed to start with that. Um, one, I was talking to one of my life coaching clients yesterday about dating and stuff and she was, and I was like, oh, so by the way, like I have a boyfriend and he's the most amazing person I've ever met. And she's like, I'm so happy to hear like a positive story because the men I date are garbage. I'm like, I get it, baby. I dated straight up garbage for two years. I get it. So I just wanted that to be a little beacon of hope for everybody. In addition to the whole boyfriend situation, I have also just been kind of grinding away for Havelina 100. Like I've been so excited about this race for months now. Uh, A lot of us know that that has been my A goal for the year. Every single thing that I have accomplished this year has been with the intention of coming to Hamilton 100, like fully prepared for the, God, the challenges of running a 100 miler. And let me tell you that 100 miler definitely did not disappoint in serving me challenges. And I'm super, super, super excited to dive into that today. So... (laughs) Let me just take you back. I had a race two weekends ago. So basically, I peaked for Havelina. Um, I did Tour de Mont Blanc when I was in Europe. And I don't think I ever talked about Tour de Mont Blanc. I don't think I've posted uh, an episode since Tour de Mont Blanc, which sounds absolutely insane. Essentially, I was running like 20, 20 plus miles a day on Tour de Mont Blanc for three days straight. And it was supposed to be 30 miles a day for four days straight, but the weather was horrible and I got turned around because of the snow and there were just a lot of external factors that um, limited my ability to fully do Tour de Mont Blanc but I still got some really good training out of it so that was one of like a peak of training for me just doing like back to back to back 20s Um, obviously I did the Colorado Trail and you can go back if you're new to this podcast hi guys (laughs) that's funny I always forget to do like an introduction but hello my name is Mac (laughs) welcome back to Gremlin Talk seven and a half minutes into this episode Um, so you can go check out the Colorado Trail episodes where I'm talking about all of the fucking shit show details of the Colorado Trail then after Tour de Mont Blanc 
I uh, I had like a down week, like a pretty aggressive aerobic reset week because my coach was like, yo, you might be at risk right now. But everything turned out fine because I took the time to recover and come home safely from Europe. Then the next weekend, I had my peak week of training, which was a 30 miler and a 20 mile run in one weekend. That's like a very very typical 100 miler peak week, like doing a 50k and then a 20 miler the next day. I think the idea is that if you can run for like six hours, you can definitely run for, in my case, 29 hours. And so doing that stuff back to back, you just learn how to run on tired legs. And I will say that is the number one thing that I have learned throughout this training cycle is just how to feel tremendously shitty and just keep going. My feet, I talked about this in the car trail, my feet were definitely my limiting factor on the CT. I had the worst foot pain. Um, I, you know, we, we get like hiker hobble, which basically you come off trail and you're just like hobbling around for weeks after. Val had really bad hiker hobble. You would sit down for like one minute on the trail and then you try and get up and you're like, whoa, my feet don't work. So I didn't have too terrible of a hiker hobble after coming off the trail, but I definitely had very achy feet and that was something I definitely had to overcome in the early days of returning to training, especially in Hawaii. Uh, I had a 10 mile run and the last like two miles of this 10 mile run, I was in so much pain I literally had to walk home and I was like dog I'm running a hundred miles in 10 weeks like this is not good but clearly everything turned out okay because I adapted to the foot pain and that mentally prepared me more than anything ever could for my hundred miler so I want to begin the hundred miler recap and I'm again this is unscripted baby you know me this is unscripted I am just flowing with the thoughts that come out. This is basically my, you know, when you're journaling and you do that thing where you just like, what is it called? You just like write down any thought. Oh, stream of consciousness. We are doing stream of consciousness right now. So I guess this kind of ties in with the boyfriend situation. So we like started officially dating, like defined the relationship essentially at my race. So another important detail about this is that he actually lives in North Carolina. He does not live. I mean, I'm literally homeless. Like I live out of a vehicle, but uh, right now I'm in my parents' house in Arizona. He does not live in Arizona. He's from Arizona, but he doesn't live here. And we started talking and then it kind of turned into like us texting a ton. And then it turned into us having three hour FaceTime and phone call dates and like very much starting a relationship from like a long distance perspective, which is very weird. Like I have never started a relationship long distance. And honestly, I think it was good for me because it allowed me to just kind of keep doing what I'm doing and um, just give it like some space, like not jump into anything too quickly. And also I'm so big on consistency. Like if somebody can go a day without talking to you, they really do not care about you. Like I will tell you right now, if you are sitting around waiting for a text from a man, baby, we need to do some reevaluating. Okay. So the most impressive and safe and consistent thing about him is that he would always text me like good morning, which I forgot that that was a thing that people do in relationships. Remember, I have not been in a relationship. I haven't been 
dating like asked to be in a relationship since like 2017 okay this is literally all new information for me the last two years I have been dating men who just so clearly do not care about me and are just extremely emotionally unavailable and uh as I've mentioned before on this podcast I know it's because I myself was dealing with a little emotional unavailability without really realizing it and it took me being in like a eight-month situationship where I got treated like garbage for me to realize like yo I'm never doing that again I'm never dating someone who doesn't have serious intentions again and if you can date people without serious intentions like good for you I am truly not I am so soft I I will I will die on this hill I am literally such a lover I am so soft like I will do anything for the people I date and like it's easy to be taken advantage of when you're so soft and that's why I had to learn how to like put these little walls up you know put in some put in some natural defenses but yeah basically I decided I wasn't gonna date anybody without serious intentions and then we you know we talked about the celibacy thing on previous episodes like I wasn't gonna sleep with anybody who didn't have serious intentions or didn't care about me got told by a man that it was too much that I think someone should care about me to sleep with me and he only wanted someone who wanted to have fun and then um you know going a whole Hawaii and dealing with the Hawaii boy situation like it's all it's just been a journey okay so Mr. fucking consistency comes in and um you know there's just like a lot of things about him that match up with like what I want in a partnership and like vice versa like he has a very like specific way that he has to live and my lifestyle just kind of falls into that weirdly so it's just like it, it just like works out there's so many little things that just like kind of match up. And so the more that I was talking to this person, I was like, oh, like I'm feeling like very safe and secure in a way that I haven't felt in a really long time. I think that's been the weirdest adjustment for me is I'm so used to like the disappearing act. Like I'm so used to someone reaching out to me, me slightly entertaining it and then them just like straight up disappearing. And this is a person that I can count on to always show up for me. And this leads into the hundred miler. So him and I were talking on the phone one night and, um, you know, this was about a week and a half before the race, before the hundred. And we're just talking about, you know, getting ready for the race, like all that stuff. And I get off the phone with him and I basically realize, um, I don't think I want to wait like a month to like see this person in person because the original plan was I was going to fly to North Carolina in the middle of November, which I'm still doing. I'm still going to North Carolina in two weeks. But the OG plan was just like, you know, take things kind of slow, just like talk for the next like month and a half and just like see how things go. But I get off the phone call with him and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really, I I want him at this race. Like I really want him to be here. And I had expressed, you know, how important this race is to me. Like this is a huge goal for me. This is a huge accomplishment this is something I've wanted to do basically since I started running. I've wanted to run a hundred miler and I've put so much love and effort and dedication into training for this and making this happen. And it's like a really big event for me. And I just kind of realized like, you know, I really don't know. Like we've never met in person. We've only spoken on the phone or over FaceTime, but like I would love to have him here. And that was like a weird realization for me. So I texted him. I was like, hey what do you think about coming to phoenix next weekend and he responds he's like race weekend like yeah yeah we can talk about it i was like oh okay cool like yeah let's let's chat about it tomorrow so the next day 
um, you know, we hop on a phone call like we do every night. And I say to him, you know, like I'd really, I mean, he brought it up. He brought it up. He's like, so like Phoenix next weekend, huh? And I'm like, ah, you know, (laughs) yeah. And he says, you know, like I'll definitely like look into flights and um, see if I can make it happen. Next day, he sends me screenshots of flights he was looking at. And I'm like, yeah, those work. Like, that would be amazing. And he, like, just booked, he booked flights to Phoenix. Okay. So (laughs) it's just, it's so much effort. And, like, I, I, I'm like, I can't even talk about it. I, like, appreciate it so much. He just, like, really decided to show up for me. And it meant a ton. However, the funny thing about this is, um, you know, he, he was flying to Phoenix for like 48 hours and like at least 24 of those hours I was going to be running and he was going to be hanging out with my dad and my pacers in the desert. And that was something I didn't fully consider when I invited him. (laughs) I was just like, yeah, like, I'd love to have your support. Like, I'd love to have you here. It'll be totally fine. Like, you'll just hang out with my dad. And then I was like, oh, shit, like, he's going to be hanging out with my dad. Like, that's kind of like a big thing, right? And then it turned into my entire family wanting to come to the race. So my grandparents were going to come. They didn't end up coming. My aunt, my cousins, my mom, my brother, his girlfriend, like so many of my close friends and family were suddenly coming to this race. And I was like, holy shit, like this man who literally meeting me for the first time is now meeting my entire family and friend group like in one weekend. And I was just like, okay I mean I was a little freaked out but I was like hey like you know whatever sink or swim (laughs) like it's not gonna affect me I'm gonna be out running in the desert so like whatever and him and I spoke about it and he was just like yeah like I'm excited I was like what do you mean he's like well like you know I just like people's families I like strangers like it should be just a good time and I, I I can't tell you guys enough how many things this man has said that I'm just like what like where did you come from so the weekend rolls around for the race. I'm so excited to start talking about this, okay? So it's a crazy weekend. So Decky flies in on Thursday. Decky's a recurring character in my story. He's one of my really good friends. We always do stupid like adventures together. He drives me nuts, but he's a really good planner like if you need I'm somebody who's very unstructured and doesn't like to plan things doesn't like to get permits he is the person who will get the permits he's the person who will tell you where to be and when he's the person who will make sure you have everything he you need for the trip like he's very structured so we signed up for this 100 miler together like nine months ago so he flew in on Thursday I picked him up from the airport we did our final race prep then Friday morning my friend Justin from uh Los Angeles flew in and it makes me so happy that he came because he was pacing me. So originally I was going to have my friend Val from the Colorado Trail who we met because she was listening to my podcast on trail. It's just so good because she's now one of my best friends on the planet. So Val was going to pace for me and then um, like maybe a week or two before uh, had something come up so she couldn't come. So I moved Justin to be my 80 to 100 pacer. And then my friend Heidi, who is another like Spartan elite athlete, 
um, she was on the Arizona trail, ended up getting off trail. So uh, we went climbing together, went to lunch together. And I was like, hey, do you want to be my pacer? So she paced me 60 to 80. And um, I think just the, the part I didn't enjoy about the 100 miler was definitely just all the prep work that goes into it, like managing all of these people, figuring out where I need to be and when. Like I was so anxious and stressed out the day before. And add to that fact, I had like a strange man flying in from across the country for a date. I go to the airport to pick up my man from the airport and um, everything was totally fine, like very easy to be around, like just instantly gave me like a sense of calmness about everything. Like I just kind of realized, you know, this is like a stressful situation for everybody, but everything's going to be totally okay. So that night, um, you know, go to sleep. I get like three hours of sleep because I'm so incredibly anxious about the race Next morning, we get up at like 4.30 and I was already awake. Like by 4.30, I was already like ready to go because I was so stressed out about making the race on time, making sure I was where I need to be, get all my stuff together. Like I don't like the prep work of running a race, it turns out. There is so much more planning that goes into running a 100 miler than like a short like Spartan race, like a two hour race. And I remember feeling the morning of the race just... I don't know. I don't know if anxious is even the right word. Like I felt almost calm. I I know I had done everything in my power to prepare for the race. I knew I had done my best with all of the prep work. I knew it was just like it was time to show up and execute. You know, there weren't really any more things that I needed to worry about. And, you know, I get all my gear on, get my bag ready, and Decky and I head over to the starting line. And, like, before you know it, we are starting 100 miles. Havelina 100, by the way, coolest 100 miler ever. It's such a party. And the atmosphere of the race is, it's literally a rave. Like, it's literally a rave. It's so funny. I posted a TikTok where, like, um, you know, we go from, like, being in just this very quiet desert environment to being in headquarters. And it's so energetic and so overwhelming. So we run out of headquarters and Decky and I start on our first loop. And I wasn't planning on staying with Decky for the first 60 miles of the race, but that's just kind of how things shook out. I remember the first five miles of the race feeling a little bit stressed because I didn't feel very good, but this always happens to me on my long runs. It takes at least five miles for me to start rolling towards the end of the first loop. So the first loop sucks because it has like an additional three, like you take Escondido Trail instead of like just this downhill route back to headquarters. So the first loop's longer and just like shittier in general. So by the end of that first loop, Alex and I were definitely feeling like kind of worked. It was very exposed. It was starting to really heat up. Like loop two was when it got really, really hot. Come in, see our crew, give everybody hugs, eat something, get our bags repacked, head back out onto loop two. Loop two, it was just, oh God, it was just so hot. Like I actually got in a ice water filled kiddie pool at Jackass Junction, which is the aid station 10 and a half miles into the loop. And the funny like mental part of this race and something I repeat to myself very often in races is don't trust the uphill. 
And these loops start with a very gradual but annoying uphill. So you climb like 800 feet over a couple miles. And it's just enough of an uphill and it's just exposed and annoying enough that it's just, it's not great. So I was really, really practicing my principle of don't trust the uphill. I, I I tell this to everybody. It was something I passed on to Val when we were on the CT. Like literally you can feel so shitty on an uphill. Crest the uphill and start going like down or flat and you're fine. Like you're absolutely fine. Your brain is just like, please stop fighting gravity for whatever reason. So loop two, you know, that starts to be kind of a low point for me. I had changed my socks, I think. I think I changed my socks and um, <laughs> I posted a TikTok and it was like, uh, you're in his DMs. I'm in his toe socks at mile 24. <laughs> we, I was having a lot of fun with the content for the first like 60 miles of this race. And then when it got dark, shit got dark, you know? So end of loop two, I'm starting to feel pretty worked. It's hot. Um, you know, the sun, it's, it's late. Like I believe the sunset during the start of our third loop. So again, it was like 520 mile loops. So the start of our third loop was when the sun set. So we really experienced just like the worst heat of the day in loop two. Loop three, uh, you know, sun goes down and I'm starting to feel like garbage and Alex is pushing me pretty hard and that's like not what I wanted to be doing. Oh God, loop three was just, I kind of blacked out for most of it, I think. It got dark, but it was like fun dark, you know? It wasn't like middle of the night, 3 a.m. dark quite yet. So loop three goes by in like kind of a blur. I think it was like 5.30 was our time for that loop. I come in to the aid state or the main headquarters after loop three. And um, I was just like, feeling tough like my stomach had been cramping for the entire loop like I started taking salt pills during the end of loop two and those caused my stomach to just completely cramp up salt pills can be really tough on your stomach and I've used them before and I've been okay but for some reason it just like was not the move at Havelina. I was drinking plenty of water so it definitely wasn't a water concern I just think like it was just too much salt at one time the problem was I was really tired of drinking sweet drinks. So Scratch Labs actually sent me a lot of product for the race and I was using that and it was going really, really well for the first two loops. But also I was just feeling so tired of drinking stuff with flavor to it. And I was like, why drink things with flavor when I can just take a little salt pill and drink some plain water? And yeah, that fucking ruined my whole day. So stomach is cramping. I'm feeling awful. I'm sitting at the aid station at mile 60. Alex is pressuring me to get moving out of the aid station. I'm like literally popping blisters. My shoes are completely off. I'm trying to like scarf down calories. And I'm like, dude, like you just have to go. <laughs> like I can't, you have a pacer now. I can't pace you anymore. Like I'm literally dying. I need a minute to just like collect my shit and get back out there. Like we still have 40 miles left of this bitch, you know, like I still have at least 10 hours left, right? So he leaves the aid station and I hate to say it, but I'm so relieved because that means that I can run my own race and just like suffer at my own pace and I also got to pick up my pacer Heidi at mile 60. Heidi was so fucking stoked to be there. She literally was like I she couldn't she couldn't wait. She loved it so much and it was so perfect to have her energy because we headed out on that loop at like 10 30 p.m. and it was a seven hour and 40 minute loop. 
I think I walked almost the entire thing and I told myself, I'm fucking quitting, bro. I'm so done. Literally by the first aid station, um, it's called Coyote Camp. So the first aid station is about four miles into the loop. So we climb up to to coyote camp i'm trying to eat something but i feel so nauseous i literally cannot eat anything and basically i try to slam like two or three gels and i'm just like this sucks so tremendously heidi is being super positive she's trying to get me going she's like asking me questions like holding a conversation i felt so bad because i was in such a dark place that i literally didn't want to talk but she was like really doing her best to hold the conversation together and it gets to the point i think like david called me like midway through that loop and he was like he he was having his Halloween party which he was pissed at me for not going to he calls me from the party and I'm like I'm fucking done I'm dropping out at mile 80 fuck this shit like this is stupid I hate this and he tells me and honestly what he said greatly impacted me he was like yeah well I mean you know it's like he told me in the adventure race a throwback to the 24-hour adventure race where I was super fucking pissed at him. <laughs> I think there's a recap of that race in our uh, podcast archives back here. So you're more than welcome to go listen to it. It was pretty funny. He was like, like you told me in our race, like either suck it up and keep going or turn around, go back down the mountain and quit. And I was like, was that supposed to be encouraging? Like him saying that, I was just like, God, this sucks so badly. But low key, he's right. Like it planted this little seed of like, wow, like fuck David. David's really gonna like, <laughs> David's gonna roast me after this if I drop out. Then I was texting my friend Tess, um, not Tess, my landlord Tess, but Tess I went backpacking the Grand Canyon with because her mom runs 100. So her mom ran Leadville 100 this past year and like does all kinds of just like stupid long distance. Like she's a phenomenal athlete. Like it's so impressive. I texted Tess and I was like, yo, is it normal to feel like garbage before mile 50? And also, um, what does your mom tell herself when things get really tough? And we were kind of texting a little bit. And then I was like, actually, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm quitting. Like, I hate this. And she's like, yeah, like, that's totally okay. Like, that happens, you know, like DNFs are normal. Like, that's a really, that's what happens in hundreds. Like, literally half of the people who start a 100 mile race do not finish a 100 mile race. Like that statistic is alarming, <laughs> like a 50% dropout rate. Okay. So Tess was like, yeah, dude, like that's totally okay. Like it's okay to drop out. So literally I go through this entire loop telling myself I'm dropping at mile 77. Heidi and I get to Jackass Junction, which is the aid station 10 and a half miles in, meaning I have like eight and a half miles because they were 19 mile loops uh, after the first loop. And um, I'm at Jackass. I literally can't eat anything. I'm so fucking nauseous. I take like one gel. I sit at the aid station for a while, which I did not do on any of my other loops. I sat at Jackass. Like my feet were shredded. I somehow accumulated just the worst blisters within like maybe 20 miles. I was suddenly like incredibly blistered. My feet held up for the first like 45 miles of the race and then went super downhill after that. And I had texted my pre-boyfriend... <laughs> that I really needed a hug so I was texting him during the day and I was just like giving him updates like through the loops and stuff because Decky also just started talking to this girl so literally we were such fucking simps you guys at one point like we were both just texting we were both literally texting our like soon to be significant others um his girl not girlfriend but like the girl he's talking to called him and then I called Max at jackass junction just to like get a check-in like literally i was just like okay thank god i have this like emotional support human <laughs> 
So I had texted Max like pretty early into that fourth loop. Like things are really bad and I'm hating everything. And he was like, no, like it's okay. Like you're super tough. Like I'm so proud of you. And I was like, um, like I'm not tough and I need a hug. And he was like, okay, like have you guys already passed the first road crossing? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, like I'm going to be at the second road crossing. So he literally drove to the second road crossing on the loop because I said I needed a hug. Okay. So the only thing I was thinking on this fourth loop was like, I just want to see Max. Like I'm so, I'm, I'm in such a low, like emotional and physical state. Like I want to quit. All I want is to be given a hug and like be given some like just nice normal love and just dropped off at headquarters and we can just pretend this hundred mile thing was never a plan that was literally where my brain was at at mile like before mile 77 Heidi and I leave Jackass Junction and it's a 5.2 mile walk (laughs) to the second road crossing where I was meeting Max and I was just like so excited to see him but I was like this is the longest I had to warn Heidi I was like dude listen it's gonna feel so long because you can see the aid station for miles before it's actually there it's the sickest thing okay they have like a super bright light at the aid station so you can see for miles but you feel like you're never getting closer ever Heidi and I are walking she's trying to make me feel better there's a lot of people around us who are also trying to make me feel better and keep in mind at this point like the possibility of us not making the 6.30 a.m. cutoff at headquarters is like kind of becoming real. Like 30 hours as a cutoff for a 100 miler low-key is kind of aggressive. So we're talking to other people around us. One girl's like, oh my god, hey, I follow you on TikTok. I'm like, I'm so sorry that you are seeing me in this state, like from the bottom of my heart. Like, I am not being my best self right now, and I'm so sorry you have to witness it at mile 76, you know? We finally get to the fucking aid station. Literally, this was the longest like hour and a half of my entire life to get from Jackass Junction to Rattlesnake Ranch. This is where we met Max. And I see Max and I'm so excited. I literally give him the biggest hug and he's like, hey, like, you know, let's walk into the aid station and like, you know, let's sit down and talk for a sec. (laughs) And this is where things get so awesome. Okay. Keep in mind, I'm literally at my emotional, physical, mental lowest. Like, I still have, like, a pretty good attitude. Like, Max's entire time has been like, dude, like, you were at your lowest, but you were still, like, smiling and laughing. And I'm like, yeah, it's the curse of being a bubbly person. Like, don't be, don't get it twisted, dog. I was unwell, okay? So, he gets me to the aid station. I haven't eaten this entire loop because I told myself I was dropping out. I'm, like, not taking care of myself, not taking care of my feet. Like, I'm just fucking done. We sit down at this campfire. Oh, also, it had dropped like 30 degrees. So I was shivering. Like I had zero temperature regulation and I was absolutely shivering by the time we get into the aid station. So he says, you know, like, let's sit down at the campfire and just like talk things through. He sits down next to me and um, we're just talking. And my pacer, Heidi, was also with me. And uh, one of the aid station volunteers goes up to her and is like, hey, like, what's going on with your friend? Like, what's the dealio? Heidi tells him, you know, it's her first hundred. She wants to drop out. She's feeling pretty shitty. And he's like, it's her first hundred. She's like, yeah, she can't drop out. I'm like, oh God. And then he's like, is that her boyfriend? And Heidi's like, no, no. Like they're still like figuring things out. And this fucking aid station volunteer Keep in mind, you guys, it's literally 5 a.m. We have been up all night, okay? This is the mile 77 aid station. This volunteer, he's like, 
okay, well, you know, I'm going to help them figure it out. I don't hear any of this conversation. Okay, Max and I are completely enveloped in our own conversation at the campfire. Aid station volunteer comes over and takes a seat. And he's like, hey, I heard it's your first hundred. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you have to keep going. I'm like, why? (laughs) He's like, trust me. I just paid someone for the end of their first hundred. And like, you just have to do it. I'm like, listen, bro, it's been a really stressful day. I'm fucking tired of racing. I shouldn't have even been here in the first place. He's like, what's the worst that could happen if you just keep going? I'm like, Greggy, I don't fucking want to go. That's the thing. I just don't want to, dog. Like, I'm tired of all the pressure today. I feel like shit. I haven't eaten in seven hours. Like, I'm I'm unwell, okay? And meanwhile, Max and Heidi are like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, this is not the kind of energy that Mac needs right now. And then Greg, <laughs> he says, well, you know what? The two of them agree with me, like your friend and your boyfriend. And I like freeze. Okay. It's five in the morning and I'm literally paralyzed. He says the word boyfriend. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> like, I'm like frozen in my seat. I'm like, oh, that's a conversation we haven't had. And, um, Greggy goes, Heidi, what do you, what do you think? What do you think Mac should do? And Heidi's like, well, like I want Mac to do what Mac wants to do, but also like, I think it'd be pretty cool if she finished. Then he looks at Max and he goes, okay, like your boyfriend, like, what do you think Mac should do? And he, this is, this is the part I, (laughs) unbelievable. Max looks at me and he says, I think you would be really disappointed in yourself if you didn't at least give it a try considering like how much work you've put into this goal and how much you care about this goal and like knowing you you're gonna be really disappointed in yourself and I was just like wow don't fucking sugarcoat it at all huh Max like just really send it and I'm like god damn it literally everybody is everyone's ganging up on me (laughs) and you know fair enough because I had told my crew like do not under any circumstance let me drop like I'm just being a baby and just like make me keep going you know like emotionally manipulate me however you need to and just get me back out there so I thought I thought because Max is such a sweet little angel boy I thought he was gonna be like oh, McKenna, like, you've already run 80 miles today. Like, no worries if you drop. And then he fucking hits me with the, you know, I expect more from you and I think you do too. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, okay. And then Heidi's like, well, somehow it comes up that Max is like, well, if you like, if you finish this thing, like, I will rebook my flight. And I'm like, more time with Max? I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, let's fuck it. Let's keep going. (laughs) So Heidi and I, leave the aid station. And I'm like, I never want to see Greggy again. Man's, first of all, is literally dead to me. I text Max or Max texts me as we're like on the last three and a half miles. He's like, sup girl or like sup queen. And I'm like, I hate you. Like we're talking mad shit about you right now. And he's like, ha ha ha. Like, yeah, I can, I can understand that. And I was like, literally, I can't stand you. And I was like, Heidi wants me to clarify though. It's not her talking shit. It is just me. <laughs> so we're on this three and a half miles back from uh, Rattlesnake Ranch back to Havelina headquarters. And I have to make it to Havelina headquarters before 630 in order to be able to be let out on the loop on loop five. I also didn't know if that cutoff meant I had to be through the finish line of loop four or if I had to be through the finish line of loop four and back out onto loop five. Like I just didn't know and I didn't have time to like check the rules. I start heading in from Rattlesnake Ranch and at this point I was not planning on making the cutoff. First of all, I was literally walking like 
a zombie. Like I could have been an extra on The Walking Dead. I was moving so slowly. You guys, you should have seen the blisters on my feet. They were just ridiculous, like huge blisters. I was so miserable. I was so tired from not eating. I was freezing. Max ended up giving me his jacket. Like every single thing that could have gone wrong was going wrong. And we were just walking and Heidi's like, come on, Mac, like if we're going to make the cutoff, like we have to like keep moving. And I'm genuinely just like, like done I'm just done I'm over it I'm like whatever like if I don't make the cutoff I don't make the cutoff like I don't even care anymore and basically like a little bit of the sun started rising and I realized I kind of needed to poop so I was like Heidi like I'm gonna poop right now and she's like okay and I like pull off you know on the trail and um I'm like just thinking I'm just like crouched down like a gremlin in the bushes and I'm like thinking and I'm like you know what like I'm going to be really mad at myself if I get timed out and I don't get to continue on another loop. Like if I'm going to not make it, it's going to be my choice, you know? (laughs) So I come out and I'm like, all right, let's go. And I just start running. I literally just start running. Like everything's fine. My feet hurt so badly. So I had this blister on the pad of my foot in between my first and second toes I start running and that blister literally shoots up and separates the healthy skin above it, which literally searing pain. Okay. I start walking for another like 20 seconds, but I'm realizing that if I do not like sprint this next mile, I'm not going to make it. And, um, so I start running, running, like we are running hard, like literally clocked like a six minute mile at mile 83 to make it to the finish line in time. I come in, so hot like sprinting through Havelina headquarters and my crew's at their tent and I'm like Justin let's go and everyone's like oh shit like Max back baby Max had just seen me literally at my worst and he's like whoa dog like you came in so hot like that was crazy I get to the finish line they give me my final loop band keep in mind I had 90 seconds to spare on this cutoff So I turn around. I'm like, am I all good to get back out there? And like, yeah, you're good. You're good. So I go back to my crew tent. They get, they fill my bag. I sit down for a second. I pop some blisters, like just try and, you know, drink some Mountain Dew, take a couple bites of a burrito. And I'm just like, I'm in, I'm in, you know what? 20 more miles, one more loop, like sounds fun. Like, let's just do this shit. I get my stuff together. Um, you know, the sun is up. So at least I'm feeling some more like sunshine on my face. I'm not in the middle of the night anymore. And Jess and I leave the aid station. <laughs> and we leave the aid station. And there's a volunteer at the beginning of the loop. Like there's like a thing you have to go through to get back on the loop. And we walk up and he's like, you can't get back out there. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you're 11 minutes past cutoff. I'm like, I raise up my hand and I'm getting like pissed. I'm like, no, they just get, I just asked and they said, it's okay. And he's like, who said that? And I was like, the finish line people. And then he's like, um, you know, you're literally right up against the cutoff. And I was like, dude, did you see me not like you just watched me sprint a six minute mile in here. And he's like, it doesn't matter. You just ran a six minute mile. Like you still have 20 more to go. And I was like, bro, I promise you, I will make it. Like we are here. We are making it. And he goes, all right, fine, but you have to stay in front of the course sweepers. And I see the course sweepers and they're just like two like average looking people. They're just like right there, sweep the course. I'm like, will not be a problem. Like I will stay far ahead of them. Don't worry. So then <laughs> as you know, he lets me through and a guy, a like guy who's watching this interaction goes um, like, wow, that was a uh, fuck. What did he say? He said something like, wow, how'd you like, 
how'd you make that happen? Or like, how'd you talk your way into that one? And I was like, it helps to be a pretty girl. (laughs) And then me and Justin just like ran off onto the trail. It was kind of fucking epic. So I'm like riding this adrenaline high of sprinting into camp, of sweet talking my way back out on the course. And within like four or five miles of being back on the loop, I am worked, dude. I am, I'm literally dying. I'm moving really well. So the last loop ended up being my fastest loop. So I'm moving well, but I feel like fucking garbage. Like I have never felt just so, it was like I'd been microwaved and then I'd been uh, frozen and then I'd been microwaved again, like just so worked. And then, you know, the sun came out, it started getting hot again. And by the time we got to Jackass Junction, dude, I was like really unwell. Like, Justin was definitely the best pacer I could have had for 80 to 100. He wasn't trying to talk. He was just like, you know, put some Taylor Swift in. Like, let's let's do this shit. Like, let's get this over with. I'm like, hell yeah. I would like stop on the side of the trail to like bend over. Like, we have the funniest fucking pictures of me like dying. Justin's the content king. So he got videos and pictures and stuff of me literally dying. And um, we get to Jackass Junction. I go to the bathroom at the aid station in the porta potty. And, um, you know, I pee and I look down and I'm like, oh, like someone's peeing like blood. Like there's like red pee in the toilet. And I'm like, ooh, like hopefully that wasn't me. But like I had no way of knowing. And I was just like, oh, like, you know, if it is me, like whatever. And keep in mind, I don't have health insurance right now. So like I'm like at risk of bankruptcy if I have to go to the hospital. Like I just a terrible decision but so I was like oh okay well yeah if I'm peeing blood like is what it is and I was trying to remember like what are the symptoms of rhabdo what are other things that it could be like um just like trying to think that through really quickly and I was like whatever dude like I only have 10 miles left like let's just suck it up and go so um Justin and I leave Jackass it's the you know the five miles from hell to get from Jackass back to uh Rattlesnake Ranch and dude Oh my God. I literally, I pull into Jack or Rattlesnake Ranch. Who's the first fucking person I see you guys? Who do you think it is? I'll give you one, one second to think. Yeah, it's Greggy. <laughs> literally, Mr. Yeah, I'm going to help this girl in her situation. No, Max doesn't like me calling it a situation ship. Sorry, Max. It's not a situation ship. <laughs> I actually had to teach him what that word is. The guy I was talking to, he's like, I'm going to help them figure out their relationship right now. Mr. Fucking Mile 77 Aid Station, still there when I come through like six hours later and he sees me and he gets all stoked and he's like, oh my God, like you made it back. And I'm like, don't even fucking start right now. I'm just like pissed. Like I'm literally like, I don't want to hear it. Like you're going to give me some shit. I don't want to hear it. And I don't, I'm not interested, Greggy. And he was so nice about it. He was like, oh, okay. Like I won't. And he's like, how can I help you? And like, it, oh, I forgot to mention this detail. Um, when I saw him at mile 77, the man started crying. The man started crying about the idea of me not finishing my hundred. Like this is the most emotionally invested volunteer I've ever met in my entire life. Like it's such a good character in this story so he's like helping me like fill my bottles and like get everything I need to get back out there and then he's like asking me about Heidi he's like oh like your friend was super cute I'm like yeah she's married and then he calls me beautiful I don't know how he worked it in he's like oh yeah you you know you look like really beautiful right now I'm like Craigie like I'm at mile 75 dog or 95 like can we just not (laughs) I think he was just being nice but I was just so worked and I was just like oh hi yeah thanks and then he was like oh like and that guy you were with like you know, you could just tell like he really, really cared about you and like wanted the best for you. And I was like, yeah, like thanks for calling my boyfriend, bro. Like we literally, it was so funny after. So 
uh greggy called him my boyfriend and then heidi called him my boyfriend and i was like yo like what's up with the b word everybody and max was like yeah yo like what's going on and then i literally texted him after like he called me babe and i was like um babe is for boyfriends and he's like oh the b word and i was like yeah we can have that talk later like let me finish running 100 miles first so there was like groundwork already laid of this conversation we were gonna have later <laughs> and so I, you know, I'm seeing Greggy at mile 90. I guess this was mile 97 at this point. And um, I'm like, if Max hears this, this is so embarrassing. But I was just like um, telling him, I was like, yeah, like, you know, I think he's just like the greatest like man that I've like ever met. Like he's so kind and just like amazing. And literally fucking Greggy starts crying again. I'm like, you don't get to cry, Greggy. You don't get to cry, dog. I am at my emotional and mental frailest right now, bro. Like this is so uncalled for. So he start he's crying and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like whatever, Greggy. Like I I'm gonna go. I like get a little piece of pizza and start going again. I take my music out. Justin and I uh basically we just chat for the last like three and a half miles which was really nice like we kind of just got to recap a lot of the day and um we talked about max a little bit and just like you know kind of got through it and then um yeah I I will say most of that last lap I was like in tears like I was about to sob for most of that last lap like I would bend over like tears in my eyes and Justin was just like it's okay Mac like you know keep it keep it moving you're doing great like he was so kind and so encouraging after those, you know, the last three and a half miles, though, I felt just like good. Like we passed a bunch of people in the last three and a half miles and I was rolling, like totally cruising, feeling really good, um, smiling, like really just feeling like myself again, even though I was totally completely worked. We come into the finish line. I'm seeing my family and I have to like run the loop around the crew tents and then I get to cross the actual finish line. So I like see everybody. We're in the last like quarter mile of this race. Like we're running and then crossing that finish line. I was just like so hyped, dude. Like I was hype. And the hard part about this is that I felt like a failure for most of the day. Like genuinely from loop like three onward, I felt like I was failing. I felt like I was failing myself. I felt like I was failing Decky. I felt like I was failing my crew. I was failing Max. Like I just, I felt so much pressure and I just felt like I was failing everybody to the point that when I crossed the finish line, I couldn't even be like fucking hype. Like I was, you know, I was obviously happy to be done, but I felt like I felt like I'd failed almost and it's only been the it's been like it was like 24 hours after that I was like I'm so proud of myself for fighting through and like finishing that shit and like just really you know being determined and seeing it through but in that moment I was just like not pumped like I was like I I feel like kind of a loser for um almost dropping which is completely normal in hundreds by the way like again half of the people drop out and um you know, it's obviously there's going to be a point in a hundred mile where you're like want to quit and like everything's going wrong. And I had like a very extreme set of circumstances and I still just like fought through it and got that shit done, you know? So I now in hindsight, I am so proud of myself. I'm so grateful to my crew and my pacing team. Like literally I could not imagine this weekend going any better, any differently. I think that something that it first of all it was so amazing to have max there this man literally wrote me a note on every lap and i would open the lap note when i was feeling really shitty so i always had like a note to look forward to from him and then just having the like emotional support from him but also like my entire family was there my crew was there like i felt so supported and loved it was like 
it was like all my birthdays put together. Like it was just like the best possible day. And I feel so grateful for this opportunity and like to have done this. And I guess I can wrap up the B word conversation now. So um, <laughs> that night, Max like brings it up. He's like, so like that was pretty funny. Everyone calling you my boyfriend, huh? Or oh my God, I fucked that up. That was pretty funny. Everybody um, calling me your boyfriend. And I was like, yeah, haha. <laughs> like I was like, I have no idea what this man wants. <laughs> I was like, I am so nervous to be having this conversation right now. And um, basically, he was just like, "Listen, like I'm here. Like I'm 100% committed to this. I would not have flown across the country if I were anything less than 100% committed to you. And like, I that's like that's where I'm at. And he was just like, so like, where are you at? And I was like, you know, it's funny because. Obviously, I haven't been in a committed relationship in two years, and part of that, I was so hesitant about commitment, and still am, honestly, but, like, I I love being single. Like, I love, I love doing my own thing, and I love not having to, like, consult anybody to do what I want to do, and, um... Yeah, I'm just like a little fearful avoid or fearful avoidant. Oh God, I'm a little commitment avoidant. But um, and and I told myself, you know, the next person I commit to is gonna be somebody who's so extraordinary that like when that comes around, like I'm going to recognize it and I'm going to like be committed to that. And him even just like flying out to the race, of course, is like that's huge. You know, like he was like, yeah, like I'm totally down to meet your entire family and like everybody, you know, in the first weekend of like knowing you officially. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's a lot. Like, let's send it like whatever. What's the worst that can happen? But for me, like what really, there were so many other things that he did that I was like, I care about this person so much. Like he would like put my socks on my feet at aid stations you guys like I just I literally there's so many things that I'm just like nobody's ever treated me with such sweetness and such kindness and intention and like just such good such good energy my whole family loved him like every single person was like Mac like that guy is it like you've never dated anybody like this like send this please I'm like oh my god but what really 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 nailed it for me uh, was you know, I expected at mile 77, I expected Max to not hold me accountable. I expected him to let me fail. Like I expected him to buy into my excuses and like let me off the hook. And it was so incredibly attractive and like so like that's exactly what I want in a partnership. Like somebody I I challenged myself like so much and I'm so hard on myself and um I, you know I have all these goals and these high expectations and for somebody to treat me with such love and intention and care but also hold me accountable I was just like there's nobody else there is literally nobody else I do not want to entertain anybody else for the first time in my entire life I feel so incredibly seen in who I am in this moment and I was like on that last loop I you know I talked to Justin about it I was like honestly like he blew me away this weekend like he has gone above and beyond he has been just like number one you know and that was when I was like yeah like I I I'll commit to somebody <laughs> I guess I will commit to somebody. And so everybody has been so fucking shook. Literally all my friends that I've told that I have a boyfriend, they're like, you, a boyfriend? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I know, dude. It's it's a surprise. But genuinely, this person is so 
special and unique and just read me so well that I yeah I feel a lot more comfortable with this like level of commitment and yeah I'm excited to see how things go I guess like what a positive note for this um episode to end on like usually I'm so like it's funny I I texted David like oh yeah like um I have a boyfriend and he like literally his response he literally sent me my own like break up with your boyfriend podcast I'm like yeah like break up with your shitty boyfriend don't break up with the boyfriend who like books you massage after your 100 miler and like writes you love notes every loop like come on so those are all the updates there were a bunch of questions on that um question box so I'm gonna like just pick and choose a couple that I think I can answer like pretty succinctly I know this is a long episode but then again we've had a lot to fucking talk about you know first of all so many of these questions are about the boy who flew across the country for my race. And I feel like I answered all of that very succinctly. So we definitely don't need to go into that again. A lot of people asked about pacing and honestly, the pacing strategy in a 100 miler is you want to obviously not go out hot, literally walking every single uphill. I would rather, if I were to do it again, I would literally run slower on my first three loops so that I could like crush it on loop four and five managing your effort and being really consistent about your pace in a hundred is so important like you need to rest and take it way easier than you think in the beginning which like makes sense but people struggle with so hard I have a couple questions about how I fought through the DNF or like wanting to DNF and obviously I had all of this external encouragement like you know, Max was telling me I needed to be better and Heidi wanted me to keep going and David told me to suck it up and keep going. But what really like snapped me into that like six minute per mile sprint at mile 83 was just the realization that if I didn't send it, then I was going to be really pissed at myself. (laughs) Like I was thinking about it and I was like, if I miss this cutoff by like five minutes, I will never forgive myself. Like, I will be so pissed. And I think it was the fact that that decision would have been taken from me that made me so motivated to do it. Especially, you know, I like really realized how bad I wanted it when that volunteer almost didn't let me back out on the loop. So yeah, that that was really it. It was just like, as soon as I just, and I'm stubborn. I am stubborn as hell. I have a high pain tolerance. I'm super determined. And I like had to dig myself out of such a deep hole in this hundred. And I'm, I'm super proud. Like it's great experience, you know? A lot of people asked about fighting demons. <laughs> Many demons were fought. Um, mostly just physical, like feeling so deeply fatigued, so tired. My feet hurt so badly. Like my blisters were so bad. But it was funny on that last loop when I decided I was sending and like we are finishing this shit. It was like I could overcome so much physical pain because I had decided that it was happening. That was most definitely the weirdest realization. Like it doesn't matter what the hell happens to me in the next 20 miles. Like I'm finishing this. That was so sick. And it totally goes into, you know, mental is so important on this journey you know, like the mental aspect of racing and training. It's like you train your brain as much as you train your body. And I feel like that I learned so much about myself in this race. And I'm actually so grateful that I struggled so hard. Like if this race had gone easy and I wasn't challenged, then I 
I, I just, I learned so many important lessons and I'm like so grateful. So I learned the power of mindset for sure. There are a lot of questions about recovery and how recovery is going. So it's funny because it was so slow. I actually feel really okay. Like the first I, I was like hobbling a little bit the first two days because of blisters. Um, today is Thursday, so I'm four days out from finishing. And, um, you know, I've played pickleball the last two nights. Like, I don't know. I've got some like a tight, my IT band's kind of tight. Uh, I actually have a massage tonight, so hopefully that'll help. But um, honestly, I'm feeling pretty good. I've just been trying to eat. It doesn't feel any different than like recovering from TMB or recovering from... Um, some of my long training runs. So I definitely feel like I was really well prepared for the demands of running a 100 miler. So that's sick. I definitely am going to do another. Like I loved it and I 100% am going to be doing another. I think it's such a fun distance because so many things can go wrong and there's so much opportunity for like pain and suffering and you really, really, really have to learn how to push through it. It's just so, it's so funny because um, like I chose to do this. Like I chose to throw myself into the fire like that and like I hate to say it, it sounds so cheesy but like honestly see what I'm made out of like who am I when things get tough and it turns out like I really like who I am when things get tough and that's like the coolest most confident like thing I could absolutely say like who I am to my core, I am so fucking proud of. And um, Max is definitely correct. I would have absolutely regretted it if I'd quit. I don't think I would have known how much I would have regretted it. Like, I would have been upset, um, but I probably would already be planning the next one anyway. But like, from the perspective of knowing how it feels to finish, I 100% like would regret it, you know? So I... <laughs> I, oh my god what a time like I'm so definitely gonna do another hundred like that was just sick dude I just liked being outside for that long I loved the hundred miler training like things started feeling really good like I am already itching to like get back to running which is so ridiculous because I'm not even a week out from a hundred but that's where we're at in the running journey now you know Someone asked who was my favorite person I met and the answer is so fucking obviously Greggy. <laughs> Greggy, the aid station volunteer, Rattlesnake Ranch. So the hilarious part is like at Havelina, they do a lot of awards. Like there's a lot of funny awards. There's like best performance. There's best volunteer. There's best ass, like a guy who wore a fucking G-string one. And um, I was on the Havelina Instagram and Greggy won most valuable volunteer. And I was like, yeah, I mean, he was, he definitely got me out of my fucking chair, like, because I didn't want to talk to him anymore. And then he also, like, defined my relationship with my boyfriend now. So I guess we're, I guess we're all settled there. It was just, like, so funny. This man won an award. It was just, like, so perfect. And also, on the note of, um, one last thing on the boyfriend thing, uh, literally, I was like, oh, yeah, like, shout out to Greggy for, like, making us have that conversation. And Max was like, McKenna, like, do you really think we weren't gonna have that conversation like before we left this weekend? And I was like, oh, like, uh, I don't know. It's just like, what a ridiculous concept. <laughs> so I guess on that note, we are really gonna wrap things up here because we're over an hour and I have a meeting in five minutes. Um, I am always so, so grateful for this platform. I'm so grateful for this life that I live. Again, here I go. I do this every fucking episode. I'm like, I'm just so grateful for everybody, but I really am like, 
everybody I met a bunch of girls this weekend who like follow me on TikTok or listen to the podcast and that's so it's so crazy that I get to have this platform and just like share my joy and my love of running with the world and you know feel seen and feel connected to this community so Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I I have so many exciting things coming up this year. I'm so stoked to just like I I don't know, just like see see what I can do in this sport. Like it is such an odd concept and who knows what's next. We we've all been joking around like a 200 miler <laughs> 200 miler next year, guys. But I think I'm really stoked on this 100 mile distance for a bit. Like I and maybe I'll run 100k I've never run 100k that's 62 miles that sounds like kind of fun like you can push a little bit harder than you can for 100 miles so oh ultra running what a ridiculous sport um anyways thank you guys so much if you enjoyed the podcast we always say you know share it with your mom tell her say hi send it to your hottest friend and um I hope that you guys get inspired maybe sign up for a 100 miler literally anybody can do it if I can do it anybody can do it I'm proud of all of you. And um, I do intend to record an episode next week. Next week, I so this weekend I'm going to Mexico. Next week, I am going to Los Angeles and I'm going to be through hiking the Catalina Trail again, Trans Catalina with David and Chloe. So I'm going to have tails <laughs> for weeks. And then um, after Catalina, I'm going to North Carolina because I have a boyfriend on the East Coast now. So um, I'll be there for Thanksgiving. And then, yeah, December. I'm pretty sure I'm moving to Asheville guys (laughs) so welcome to the life of Mac it is spectacular and I'm having the best time ever so thank you I love you all have an amazing day you rock